The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Jesus came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of land that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. Jesus, tired from his journey, sat down there at the well. It was about noon. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. His disciples had gone to the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How can you, a Jew, ask me, a Samaritan woman, for a drink? For Jews use nothing in common with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God, and who was saying to you, Give me a drink? You would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you do not even have a bucket, and the cistern is deep. Where then can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this cistern and drank from it himself with his children and his flocks? Jesus answered and said to her, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I shall give will never thirst. The water I shall give will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water, so that I may not be thirsty or have to keep coming here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come back. The woman answered and said to him, I do not have a husband. Jesus answered her, You are right in saying, I do not have a husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you people say that the place to worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus said to her, Believe me, woman, the hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You people worship what you do not understand. We worship what we understand because salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. And indeed, the Father seeks such people to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to Him, I know that the Messiah is coming, the one called the Christ. When He comes, He will tell us everything. Jesus said to her, I am He, the one speaking with you. At that moment, his disciples returned and were amazed that he was talking with a woman. But still no one said, what are you looking for or why are you talking with her? The woman left her water jar and went into the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I have done. Could he possibly be the Christ? They went out of the town and came to him. Meanwhile, the disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat of which you do not know. So the disciples said to one another, Could someone have brought him something to eat? Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of the one who sent me, and to finish his work. Do you not say in four months the harvest will be here? I tell you, look up and see the fields ripe for the harvest. The reaper is already receiving payment and gathering crops for eternal life. So the sower and reaper can rejoice together. For here the saying is verified 
that one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the work, and you are sharing the fruits of their work. Many of the Samaritans of that town began to believe in him. Because of the word of the woman who testified, he told me everything I have done. When the Samaritans came to him, they invited him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. Many more began to believe in him because of his word, and they said to the woman, We no longer believe because of your word, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is truly the Savior of the world. The Gospel of the Lord. A couple of weeks ago on the first Sunday of the Lenten season, I preached about the devil. And I talked about explicitly how the devil is not creative the least little bit. Of how because God is a creative one, the devil can only take things that God has already done and twist them in a certain way to be able to use them for his own will. And that manifests itself in so many ways that our sins tend to follow the same patterns, and we do the same things over and over, and that's why we go to reconciliation and feel like we say the same list each time, uh, because the devil's not creative. He doesn't know how to do new things, and consequently, we're not really good at sinning in new ways. Thanks be to God. But in comparison this weekend, we see in the scriptures that our God is very, very creative. And it's on account of his creativity that quite often as we read the scriptures and as we experience the life of faith, God does incredibly unexpected things. Incredibly unexpected things. We see some of the physical manifestations of it all throughout the scriptures, especially in the Old Testament, but particularly in two of the references that we hear today, of how Moses takes the staff which he struck the Red Sea, the river, And it parted for him. Of how the water piled up like walls. And one side emptied and the other side filled out. And the Israelites passed away from the Egyptians on dry land, walking through the riverbed. Certainly an unexpected event. Something that the Israelites and the Egyptians had never seen before. And yet it took place. He calls to mind that reality to say, remember that same staff? You still have it, Moses. And I want you to take that staff and I want you to go and to strike a rock. And I will give water to the people from the rock. Now keep in mind, this is the whole Israelite nation. This isn't just 15 or 20 people that are getting a little bit of water out of a rock. I mean, it's miraculous enough that it's water coming forth from a rock. But it was enough water to fill and to quench the thirst of hundreds of thousands of people. Remember that. That this was a whole nation leaving Egypt to go to the promised land. Hundreds of thousands of thirsty souls had their thirst quenched by water that came forth from a rock in the desert. How unexpected. But even more unexpected than these things is what we hear in the letter of St. Paul to the Romans today. God proves his love for us in that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. 
even more unexpected of all. Because it's one thing to see that God can do incredible things, such as to divide waters and rivers. It's another thing to see that God can be able to bring forth water from rocks. But to be able to love a sinner in the midst of their sin, that's unexpected. How many of us walking into the room and finding someone caught red-handed, doing something that we are upset with them about, would easily still offer our life for them. To lay down our life, to die for them on the spot. And that's exactly what Jesus Christ does. He comes to us. He takes on our flesh and he walks among us, not after we've gotten things together or after everything is kind of cleared up or when he's gotten a good guarantee that his sacrifice will pay off with a, a rich enough reward of souls. But he comes in the midst of our sin while we were sinning and shows us his love. We see that reality carried out in the gospel that we just heard, John chapter 4. What we heard was the majority of the chapter. Indeed, it's worth reflecting. There are many, many hours of heartfelt reflection that can be pulled forth from these sacred words. But just to connect a few of those ways in which our Lord comes in an unexpected fashion. First of all, that He comes to Samaria, to the land of Samaritans, a place which He ought not to be. They were the unclean ones, after all, if you remember. And so they come, and he comes at the noon hour, and he goes to rest at the well. He comes, and he takes the initiative, because he knows, being God, that a woman will come also at the noon hour. And it's significant because the noon hour was the hottest time of the day, as we all know. No one goes out to do all of their labor at noon. Most people don't cut the grass at 12 noon, right? You do it in the morning, you do it in the evening when it's a little bit cooler. But the woman, because of the shame of her heart, recognizing the way that she had lived her life was ashamed. And she didn't want to be in the rest of the community. She didn't want to be seen and to have to talk with other people. So she went at the time of day where she figured no one else would be there. And then, surprise, there's Jesus. Unexpectedly coming to her in the midst of her sin. He comes and he asks her for some water. In doing so, he's breaking multiple barriers that ought not to have been broken. One, the fact that he's speaking with a woman in public was something that typically was not done. But secondly, that she's a Samaritan. Something also that you wouldn't even speak to the Samaritans. But thirdly, he's asking for her to give him some water. And as, the, as the, the, the gospel indicates to us, St. John's writing, he says, this is odd because the Jews and the Samaritans, they don't use any of the same vessels. They don't use the same bowls to get water out of the ground. They don't, don't, they don't use the same silverware, essentially. They don't use anything in common because the Samaritans are unclean. And the Jews don't want to get what they have, essentially spiritual cooties, more or less. But they don't want to have this uncleanness come upon them. And so they don't use anything in common. And so Jesus comes and he speaks to a woman who's a Samaritan and he asks her to provide him a drink. In the midst of this, she begins to respond in, in, in quite a confused fashion, not understanding exactly who this man is. 
and what he's doing there at this time of day, and what is really his intention, knowing of the things that he's already doing that he shouldn't be doing. And Jesus responds to her confusion about the well. And he says, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who is saying to you, give me water, you would ask him and he would give you living water. In this reality, the Lord Jesus is not saying that he's got, he's got an extra fine aquifer that's got some really great pure water that will give her something even better. What he is saying is, if you knew who I was, I could give you God. The Holy Spirit welling up to eternal life. The one who has poured into our hearts and gives us that, that, that quench of our soul. As we thirst for God, he says, I, I, I don't want to give you H2O. I want to give you the Holy Spirit. I want to give you salvation. And then even more so, he remains there. He remains with the woman. What's a striking also. It would be enough to go and to simply to remain there for, for a few moments and to, to speak these words to allow her to experience some, some conversion aspect but he remains with her as she continues to struggle in understanding who is this man before me. And as she continues to question with so many things in our hearts, she recognizes, I know the Messiah is coming. And then he says those words that made, surely made her stomach drop to the bottom of her feet. I am he. I am he. There's one who's going to tell you everything. I just told you. Here I am. At this she's shocked. God has done something quite unexpected. And he stays there to remain with her even longer. She goes off and she tells all the people in the town, even though she had been ashamed before, the, the, the love of Jesus Christ is greater than her shame. And she goes back into the town to tell everyone, who is this man? He might be the Christ. Come with me. Come see and they go out, and it says that Jesus remained there for two days. For two days. The one who should not have shared a bowl in common with the people shared their homes. How unexpected. The story of the Samaritan woman should not be foreign to us because it's your story too as well as mine. The same reality happens a thousand times over each day, particularly on Sundays. As the Lord Jesus comes to meet us in our sinfulness, to be able to break through some of the barriers that sometimes are put up in the world or most often simply put up in our minds and our hearts to separate us from Christ, and He comes and He offers us salvation. He comes and offers us peace. Every single Mass, the Lord Jesus shows up for us on this holy altar. He knows the hour which we will come. And He Himself comes to make sure that He is here. So that He can come to us and say, I thirst. Give me some water. And I don't want a glass. I want your heart. I want your soul. I want your life. That's what Jesus desires, and that's what he thirsts for. Not just a portion of us, all of us.
to give our entire selves to Jesus. How unexpected that He should come here over and over and over again, even in the midst of our sinfulness, even in the midst of so many barriers that that tend to keep us away from Christ. He comes. And He doesn't just come. He remains. He stays here in the tabernacle for us, for love of us, to be here with us. Who among us would think that the God of all creation should be contained in a small box of wood and gold? And yet, such is the case. For love of us, how unexpected. We can get easily caught up in our routines and our rituals and so many things as we go through the course of our day that we tend to do things without even thinking about it, without even realizing it. But the shame is that in the midst of sticking with our routines and our rhythms, which are good things in themselves in various ways, we can sometimes miss the incredible and unexpected things that God is doing right around us. We get so caught up in tunnel vision and focusing on our particular things that we miss Christ. We miss the Holy Spirit at work. We miss those unexpected things. And so what I would like you to do this week is to do something unexpected. That doesn't mean to do something foolish, to do something crazy or stupid. Do something unexpected. Do something that would surprise someone else. Maybe surprise yourself. Pay a visit to somebody that you don't normally get to see. That maybe you've been wanting to visit with. Write a card to somebody in the mail just to let them know that you love them. Pick up the phone and get in touch with someone that you haven't spoken with in a while, maybe. Maybe as a family, to spend some time in prayer together. Or just to ask someone who you know is Catholic, who you know is a person of prayer, if they'll pray the rosary with you. Maybe your spouse or a friend. Simply to come and spend some time in the chapel or in the church. You can surprise me if you like and show up at daily Mass. It would be a happy surprise for me. To be able to seek reconciliation. To be reconciled with those who sometimes we've set up barriers ourselves, but which Christ calls us to pull down. Even to seek reconciliation with Him in the sacrament itself. And certainly in the course of the Lenten season, the church encourages us and especially invites us to be able to provide for the needs of the poor. Whether the poor in spirit or the poor the things of the world. To be able to give of our own riches, whatever they they may be. To do something unexpected in generosity for someone who may be in need. Again, our God is incredibly creative. And on that account, he does many, many unexpected things. And St. Paul reminds us that that same God has been poured into our hearts by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so I invite you simply to do one thing this week, one unexpected thing. Let him act.